It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome into another episode of On the Clock. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield, and today we are joined by the beast of all guests, and that is the author of The Beast himself, Mr. Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Dane, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's a fun time. We're under a week until the draft, and still feels like we there's a lot we don't know. And honestly, I'm okay with that. That's a lot of fun. You know, it's a one of the reasons we love the draft is the unpredictable nature of how it all it's all going to play out on draft night. And you know what? That's 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 okay. That that makes it fun. So it's uh, it's going to be a interesting next few days in the lead up, and then uh, should be a fun three days of the draft. Heck yeah. So I got to ask you, I mean, you spend what, nine months writing the beast? Yeah, about about 10 months. Yeah, it's um, definitely a year. And honestly, it's more than that, because I, I already have a lot of notes for next year's uh, draft guide where, you know, inadvertently you, you're talking to coaches, talking to scouts. Um, you know, you pick up these random nuggets about players that are not even in this draft class yet. And so, you know, you're, you're making these notes or uh, you're watching tape on a player and you can't help but know who's this, who's number 24 there. Uh, and then, oh, he's not eligible. Okay, let's let's make sure we got him down for next year. And so it's it, it, it's definitely a year in the making, but it really gets started around June 1st, uh, you know, laying the groundwork, laying the base of, okay, these are the top seniors uh, going through you know, all the top underclassmen, getting early positional rankings. Um, and then obviously the season or you adjust based off the tape. Then you get into all-star season, combine, pro day, workout, all the testing, how that might tweak things a little bit. So, yeah, it's it's uh, May. I, I, I try to take May for, you know, what I'm going to coach baseball, coach softball, my kids, uh, things like that. But then once we get into June, it's, it's right back into it. Right on. So for those that don't know, the Beast is probably the, the preeminent – I would say content piece of draft literature you can possibly own. I haven't really dove in a ton myself. I try to wait to dive in until I'm done with all my write-ups. And sure, I yeah. about 10 to 12 guys to write up here. So I'm hoping this weekend though, I'm going to get into that pretty good. But yeah, if you haven't checked out the beast, please go to the athletic.com. Uh, Dane, do you have a specific like subscription thing you can give them? Uh, if you go to my Twitter, I, I, I got a pinned at the top. Do you use that link? I think I, we're still running at two dollars a month. Um, you know, if you're if you're not interested in a full year, I, I get it. You know, try us out for a month. You get all our draft content. Sign up for a month, and you get the draft guide included. So it's uh, it's a pretty good value. Yeah, the athletic is great in general. Then the, the draft guide more than pays for your subscription yeah. there. So, all right, Dean, let's let's jump in a little bit here. Let me. I kind of want to pick your brain about your scouting process. I know mm. you put in a lot more work than I would say most guys in the draft space with background information and stuff like that. But talk to me a little bit about when you're watching guys, what your process looks like there. Yeah. And um, it, it's, it, it, I try to treat my job like an area scout. So, you know, I'm, I'm keeping tabs on certain players um, uh, and throughout the year, like if in a perfect world, I'd wait till the year was over and then, you know, watch guys, uh, you know, watch five, six, seven tapes of a player and then move on. But I just, there's, in terms of only having so much time, I, I'm, I'm watching tape the 
Sunday after college football games. And so Saturday, I'm watching all the college football action, making notes uh, about plays I need to go back and revisit. Sunday morning when the tape's uploaded, I'm watching the coach's tape and looking at those plays and, and writing about those guys throughout the year, uh, throughout the fall, uh, writing it on, on The Athletic and tweeting about them. And then, uh, you know, making these notes for the uh, for the draft guide. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, you're, you're – what you see in September maybe changes from what you see in October and then November. And, um, you know, you, it, injuries can be involved there. Sometimes guys just get better. So, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting process. Uh, you know, for me, the summer is a big part of it because that's where you set the base. You know, you, you, you set expectations for a player based off of what you see in the summer from the previous year. Uh, trading notes with scouts and uh, other people that I trust that have watched these players so, you know, it's uh, the summer's a, a very valuable part of uh, really setting that base. And then that's, uh, you know, you go into the season with certain expectations and then, you know, either players meet those or don't and you figure out why some guys get better. Some guys don't. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's definitely a process. It's something that, uh, you know, in, in a perfect world, I, you know, I'd be able to live in a vacuum and at the end of the year, watch all these guys and write them up. And it, But in order to see thousands and thousands of players, because that's over the course of a year, I'm watching, um, you know, uh, probably over, I mean, I, I looked at my notes and I've got notes for over 3,500 players. And, you know, in order to do that, it just, I have to use the full 12 month schedule or our 12 month calendar. So that's just kind of how it works out. Heck yeah. So when you start stacking up your position boards, you know, your rankings, it, inside of a position do you have like a numeric scoring system you use or is this like more gut like you, you you've been doing this long enough to know like what kind of traits you're looking for in a player to, to kind of stack them yeah i mean i've got my own personal um and this is something i've you know grappled with uh because i think ideally i would come up with a grading system um that i would include it because the way i do it is uh by rounds like in the draft guide and that's not an ideal way to do it mm-hmm. uh you know because i saying a guy is a third round pick, there's, there's a lot more that goes into that. Um, you know, and, and, that, and that's one of the just toughest parts about doing this overall is just, you know, cause we're not scouting for a, sp- a specific scheme, uh, a specific culture, a specific building. We're, we're scouting in very general terms. And so that could be a difficult uh, part of this because a third round pick for this team might be a fifth round pick for another team. A guy might not even be on the board for another team because it just doesn't fit what they want. So, you know, it, that, that, that's always tough to do from a general perspective. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do have my own internal sound of system. And I kind of leave it up to the readers and say, you know, hey, I, 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 do you guys want to keep it like this? Where just kind of keep it as simple as possible where, you know, ranking these guys by rounds or, you know, do we want to start implementing the scoring system? Like if you know, I give a guy a 6.24, like does that is that going to be too confusing? And so but the readers want the rounds, which, again, is not an ideal way to do it. But, um, you know, I, I get it for simplicity purposes. Uh, I you know keep doing it as long as that's what the readers want. Yeah, it helps them paint context for when their team drafts a player like, oh, cool. Dane thought this guy was a second round pick. We got him right. in the third. That's a value, you know. Right, right, right. Um, so I get I get that for sure. Um, let's pivot to some specific players I want to ask you about. This is kind of a, a random assortment of guys. Uh, you know, I, I work technically work for a fantasy company, even though my podcast is more NFL driven. So I want to ask you about a couple of receivers specifically. Kayshawn Boutte, Dane, I yeah. I know you mentioned in the in the beast about his medicals or his uh, off-field stuff, right? Mm-hmm. 
is there medicals there too that the teams are concerned about? We haven't heard a lot about this, but it seems like with the way he tested, maybe there is. Yeah, he did not test to the level. I think a lot of people thought, uh, including myself, um, you know, he's, he tested like a below average athlete. Um, you know, when you have, when you're a receiver and you're under a 30 inch vert, that's uh, it's not a good sign. And the fact that he did not retest at the, at the pro day, that's uh, like, like one of the big values of, of my draft guide. And something I'm very proud of is having all the pro day data in there for almost 1900 players. So, it, you know, you can, you can see, okay, he was 195 at the, at the combine. Then, oh, he's 197 at the pro day. And then, okay, he did the three cone, but he didn't do anything else. And I, I try to give reasoning for that. Maybe it was an injury. Maybe it was, and I'm going by what I get from NFL teams. And so uh, according to this, Bouti by choice only did the three cone. He stood on his four five zero. He stood on his 29 inch vertical. And, you know, I watching him on tape, you didn't see a below average athlete. Um, and so that was, that was interesting. Um, you know, the, the off field stuff is definitely going to be a, uh, a big talking point when you, when, when you, d- d- uh, teams are in the war room, figuring out where, where booty fits on their board. Um, he did have, you know, the ankle was a big issue. He had multiple surgeries. Um, you know, he had, had an initial surgery that didn't heal correctly. And he had another one. I have not, that has not come up uh, in terms of oh, the lingering injuries. We're worried about that. Um, it's been more about just the maturity. Can he, you know, needs to learn how to be a professional, that type of thing. And, um, a lot of scouts think he's a slot only and, you know, he's a little bit of a boomer best, uh, boomer bust element to him because you, can you really trust him? And a lot of teams are, are trying to figure that part out. Right on. Yeah. So his tape for me, like, I felt like this past season was not his best tape. I feel like I, yeah. I could notice maybe a, a lack of Twitch compared to some of the others, you know, other seasons. Mm-hmm. How did, did you feel the same way or? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, coming into the year, he was my top receiver. I mean, he was, um, you know, like I, I Jackson's been the Jigba. I liked that Ohio state, but you know, he's a certain type of receiver. Um, Boutte actually showed some of the things him and Quentin Johnston coming into this year were the two guys that you thought if things fall correctly, they could be legitimate wide receiver one type of guys at the next level. Now, I don't think either of those guys met the expectations of what we thought could be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Booty more so in terms of just the, you just don't, you don't know where you're getting week in, week out, play, play in, play out, snap in, snap out. You just weren't sure what you're getting from this guy. And that, that's a, that's a huge red flag and something that, um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, for, uh, you know, going back to his freshman year, even uh, when you're, you're watching and seeing him, kind of emerge on the scene you you, okay this is the next guy this is the next jamar chase next guy in the pipeline next you know justin jefferson lsu's next receiver did he peak as a freshman i mean i i don't know but i haven't seen the same guy uh especially this past year that we saw uh flash all over the place uh as a true freshman in 2020 right on another guy i want to ask you about is i think your wide receiver three and that's jalen hyatt yeah. from Tennessee. This is a guy, so I've been a little more bullish on him than most people in the community. I think a lot of people are throwing the baby out with the bathwater because the Tennessee offense is so wonky and, and Hyatt mm-hmm. didn't necessarily have to work very hard for some of the production he got. I do want to pick your brain on him, though. Why, why number three for you? What do you see in a Hyatt that gives you the confidence to put him that high? 
I, you know, I think we need to add context to any wide receiver conversation because we, we rank all these guys together in the same bucket of wide receivers, but they're all different. They all offer something different with uh, you know, the strengths of their game. Uh, you know, there's certain positions within wide receiver X, Y, Z, different teams at different variations uh, of, you know, the, how they want to deploy their receivers. Um, and a guy like Jalen Hyatt offers a very specific skill set. So if you're looking for more of an underneath player, more of a well-rounded receiver, Jalen Hyatt's not for you. And that's okay. Uh, but if you are looking for a potential home run threat, an explosive vertical element to your offense, um, I, that Jalen Hyatt, there, there's a lot there. I mean, you think about uh, what, what, what Ted Ginn was offering for offenses uh, for a lot of years there. Um, you know, And a guy like Jalen Hyatt, even though he is – uh, under 180 pounds, um, you know, it's coming from an offense where it was a lot of very simplistic routes, linear routes. Uh, when you have, when you do two things above average, um, and that's vertical speed and then ball tracking, I can use that. I mean, I, I and and again, not for every offense, not for not every, it's not going to fit what every team needs. But if I'm the Chiefs, if I'm uh, you know the Saints, if I'm a team that likes to push those vertical routes. Jalen Hyatt is going to be a great fit somewhere in those top 40 picks. And so, again, this goes back to what I was saying about, uh, you know, we're not scouting for a specific team or scheme or anything like that. It's we're trying to do it very generalized. And so it's hard to rank a Jalen Hyatt in the same breath as a Smith and Jigba because they're two very diff- – they play almost two different positions. So, you know, it's uh, – uh, it, I think it's important to understand the strengths of these guys and how they project at the next level. It's not, they're, they're not all very similar. For sure. I, I'm glad you mentioned that with the receivers and, and how every team's going to view these guys differently. I know for myself, like I have, I use a numeric scoring system. Okay. Quinton Johnson and Jordan Addison graded very similarly, but they're not similar players at all. Right. right. And so people ask me, well, who do you actually like more? And it's, well, tell, tell me what team is drafting and then I can make that decision, but I don't. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, I, there's a lot of debate about, you know, those top four tight ends. You know, how do you, how should they be stacked? They, they're all different. They all, they, you know, it, Michael Mayer is different than what he gives you, uh, than Dalton Kincaid, than what Darnell Washington gives you, than Luke Musgrave gives you. So, I mean, I don't, I would not be surprised. Any order of those four could be drafted. Um, you know, Musgrave could be the first tight end drafted wouldn't be surprised, you know, cause he offers something a little bit different than the other guys. And so it just depends on what your offense wants and you know, what, what your offense wants to be, you know, that different teams have different priorities for certain positions and what they want out of that position. So, you know, it's uh, the order of these tight ends and the way they come off the board. I, I think people need to keep an open mind because it's, it, they're all, all these guys are different and it's less about who's the best. And it's more about what's the best fit. Absolutely. All right, let's pivot to running back really quick. Bijan Robinson, obviously the the dude here. Yeah, people throw around the term generational talent all over the place. I don't even know what that means. I mean, it's, I, I, we we seem to have a generational talent every other year, and so it kind of takes away from the, the term. But yeah, he's he's a good player, really good player. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, very short generations. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. So I, I mean, it's. I, it, it, Saquon Barkley was a quote unquote generational uh, running back. So you know, I I guess we we got to a new generation already. Um, so, you know, it's, I don't like that term, but yeah, he's a, he's a really, really good player. Um, you know, I, let me ask you the moment he's drafted, let's just say he goes, let's say he goes 16 to the commanders. Mm-hmm. The moment he's drafted, is he a top 10 back in the NFL? Yes. 
Yeah. For me, he is, yeah. I agree. I agree with you. And I would even go higher if he goes to a team like the Eagles. You know, if, it, yes. I, if I'm if I'm drafted for the Eagles, I'd take him a 10, wouldn't look back, and I'd feel great about it. Because in that scheme, with that offense, uh, I mean, he might be a top five back the moment he's drafted in the NFL. And so, yeah, yet you're paying him decent money, not, not you know, uh, roster-changing money at the 10th overall pick. But you're, you're you're paying him decent money, but he's going to earn it because I think you feel comfortable with him being, uh, you know, the impact that he's going to bring and the fact that he's already going to be one of the better players at his position uh, pretty quickly into his NFL career. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm so I spent seven years at PFF. I'm I'm firmly entrenched in the Arby's don't matter camp, you know. But right, right. I, I recognize the value with a guy like Bijan even at ten. And man, I, I tell you what, I'd much rather get Bijan the best five years of his career on a rookie mm-hmm. deal then pay a guy a second contract. That's it. That, that, there's a big difference between drafting a running back high and the second contract. I think these are two separate discussions. And, you know, I, 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 um, we have not seen many second contracts work out. And I'm, I think that there is a lot behind that. Um, I'm all for, you know, having a, a you know, the, the, a more of a discussion about that. But I, I think that we've, kind of jumbled it together where uh, you can't pay a running back. You also can't draft one early. And I, you know, I think that's a little short-sighted. If you look around the league at all the the studs, most of them were pretty high yeah. draft picks, first or second round picks. There's a, yeah. you know, obviously ex- exceptions to the rule, but mm-hmm. um, have you heard anything on Bijan? I, I know you're, you know, you're not breaking news like Ian Rappaport necessarily, but I'm sure you're, you're very well plugged in. Have you heard anything about where he might go? Do you think 10 to the Eagles is a realistic possibility? You know what? I, I, it goes against what they do. Um, they have not drafted a running back um, since the mid eighties in the first round. So, you know, it's not something this organization does. It's not something Howie Roseman does. Um, but I, they, he has been, he has visited two teams, uh, the Eagles and the Bucks. And, you know, the Bucks are interesting because, you know, no more Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, we, we feel like they're, they're okay, you know, with what they have right now, but uh, adding a guy like Bijan Robinson, whoever's at quarterback, it's going to make that offense look a little bit better. And so, you know, that's an interesting fit. The Eagles, I, I, I would be surprised if they draft them at 10, just because of their hit the history. The fact that it's, it's just the, if we're going to put a percentage on it, it's more, much more likely they go offensive line, defensive line with that 10th pick. But if say they, they trade back five spots, then it becomes, I think a much greater per, uh, possibility. I think the percentages of Bijan Robinson being that pick, uh, increases substantially if uh, the Eagles are able to trade back. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of teams in the first round where I don't think he's getting by. You know, if he makes it all the way to the 20s, Cowboys will draft him like that. Easy. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter who else on the board. The Cowboys will draft Bijan Robinson at 26. But I don't see any way how he's making it that far. Um, you know, it's just there, there's too many other potential landing spots, the Commanders, the Chargers. Um, there are too many other potential landing spots, you know, the Bucks, where it, it, I, it, he's just too good to fall that far. So it, it'll be interesting to see where he does come off the board. Yeah, for sure. It seems like that that range of like 10 to 19 is probably his sweet spot. Like yeah. Even like 18 of the Lions, I know they just signed Montgomery, but like yeah. it's their identity, it's their culture. It's like it just seems like that's what they'd want to do. And, and Bijan does give you a lot more in the pass game than a guy like Monty does as yes. well. So, right. All right. Real quick before we let you go, I know you have a hard out. I wanted to ask you one final question. What if there was one receiver kind of projected to go day two somewhere that you mm-hmm. think has the best chance to be a dude? in the NFL, who would that be? 
I got to roll with my guy, Tyler Scott. Um, oh, this, let's go. This is a guy that, uh, you know, when he, the moment he declared back in January, I, I tweeted a clip of uh, uh, a clip from of, of his and said, just just wait till you guys watch this guy because he is so much fun. Um, Tyler Lockett comps get thrown out every year and it's, you know, too much and they never live up to it. But Tyler Scott, I tell you, man, I, I, I kept getting Tyler Lockett vibes watching him. He's undersized, 5'10", uh, just around 180 pounds. But the speed's outstanding. And, you know, when you realize that uh, this guy has not been playing wide receiver very long, but you wouldn't guess that by watching his tape. But the way right. he runs his routes, by the way, you know, the ball skills, you wouldn't know that he was a high school running back in an option offense. Um, you know, I asked him straight up, how many catches do you think you had in high school? He said, maybe 10. So this is not a guy that has wow. been, uh, you know, a, a full-fledged wide receiver uh, most of his life. I mean, really not since he three years ago when he got to Cincinnati. Uh, moved to the position and the last two years has really, really developed well. And, and, you know, he's a guy that is a big play threat. I mean, he's three level guy, big play threat, uh, 14 touchdown catches the last two years, those 14 touchdown catches, he is averaging 45 yards per touchdown catch. I just bananas. Uh, so this guy has a lot of ability, even with Desmond Ritter, not there, um, you know, his production, I mean, he, he really uh, w- was the offense uh, for Cincinnati this year. So um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. I, to me, he is a top 50 player. I don't think he'll go that high. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, I think he'll go somewhere in that 50 to 75, maybe 50 to 80 range. Uh, but I think he'll end up outplaying that draft spot because uh, the speed, uh, the, the ball skills, just the way he's ascending, and it feels like he's not not close to his ceiling. Yeah, so about five minutes before we started recording here, Dane, my uh, my guy's article just dropped on FantasyPoints.com, and okay. he's in that article. He's my 50-second player on my board. Love I, it. I love him. He is – I think Fun he's got player. the best developed vertical skill set in the class. Yeah, and, and it's not just – I mean, yes, he ran a 4.37 on his pro day, but it's not yeah. just that. He right. understands how to throttle that speed – uh, you know, he, whether, you know, comebacks, digs, he, he can, you know, uh, push receiver or push corners off the route, uh, you know, with that, with that speed. So you have to respect the vertical element of his game, but he can also play underneath. So, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of Tyler Scott that, man, it, the more I watched him, I just kept getting excited about the, what this guy is and then what he could continue to grow into. So I, I'm, I'll be excited to see where he ends up, you know, where, what's the fit, what offenses he go into. That'll be a lot of fun to see. Gun to your head, Jalen High at pick twenty one or Tyler Scott in the second round? Oh, I, 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 second round. Yeah, I, I would. I would much rather have Scott at that value. I mean, I think you know, on my top one hundred, uh, uh, Tyler Scott's forty eight. Jalen Hyatt is like thirty one. So I, I feel like the value of what I'm getting with Tyler Scott is better than uh, the value that I get with Hyatt at that point. Awesome. I agree. That's going to do it. We got to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find Dane on Twitter at DP Brugler. He is the author of The Beast. Make sure you check that out at theathletic.com. Dane, thank you so much. Anytime. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.